Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening and welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. Ramadan Mubarak to all of those who are observing the fast. Radio Islam family, it's been a long day. But we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna liven it up. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we welcome you. You can uh, stay connected to us and keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You will find us at Radio Islam USA. And if you'd like to catch up on those episodes that you have missed or that you might want to revisit, you can do so by going to wherever you get your podcast and looking for us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. Now, if you are... Um, if you're old school and you just want to pick up the phone and give us a call tonight, our phones are open. I'm going to sound like the, the old school um, uh, telethon host. Uh, phones are, phone lines are open and, and operators are standing by. That's good. I like that. That's I good. Like that. That's good. So, yeah. So you can give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Now, before we get into our conversation uh, with my esteemed friend, uh, Bubba Murray, who is, uh, is always on hand uh, for a movie talk. You know what? I'm going to remind us about what today is. Today is May 18th, which means that tomorrow's what? Tomorrow's May 19th, which is, who can guess? Who can tell me what it is? Nobody can tell me what it is, so I'll tell you. So tomorrow, May 19th, is observed... Um, uh, tomorrow would be the 90th birthday of the late Malcolm X, Malcolm El Hajj Malik Shabazz, right? And uh, and this day is observed. Uh, it was a proposed. It was passed in the Senate. I think it was in 2015 uh, by res a unanimous resolution, which was sponsored or proposed by the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicago, uh, sponsored by State Senator Jackie Collins, uh, and this day, Malcolm X Day, is being, and he is recognized uh, in the words of the resolution as a singular human rights activist and one of the most influential African-American leaders in history. And his birthday, uh, May 19th, is to be commemorated as a day of service in keeping with the values that Malcolm X represented in his life. And I think that it is only fitting that we get to observe it during this uh, month of Ramadan in which we are called to, to give more, uh, to be more reflective, to, to be more aware of, of, of those conditions that we can improve uh, through our good works. So uh, keep that in mind tomorrow, May 19th. So we're just giving him a shout out today. We pray that uh, his good works be accepted and that he be given a, um, a lofty place in paradise. Amen. So we are going to get into our conversation for the night. As I said, we have Bubba Murray in studio with us. And as always, I've got to tell you a little bit about him. Please do. All this right. is my favorite part every time. <laughs> I love this. He is an award-winning writer-director hailing from Oak Park, Illinois. His background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship, writing for Desperate Housewives, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. Most recently, most recently his short film, Robox, won the Best Children's Film in the 2017, wait for it, International Black Film Festival. Bubba serves as both lead content and social media director for Burma Task Force. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
Appreciate it. Is, it. it is a pleasure. Kind words. <laughs> and as always, as always, we have on the boards the impressive one, assistant producer Ibrahim Beg. Give it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, tonight we're going to be talking about a, a documentary. It is available on Amazon Prime. Um, and you can go to YouTube to look at the look at the trailers, right? And that'll give you an idea uh, as to what it's about. But it is it's definitely worth seeing. I intend on seeing. I, I did not look at the. I should say I did not. I was not able to watch the the documentary uh, in, its, in its entirety. But just by looking at some of the interviews uh, with the director, the writer, and also uh, the trailer, I feel like I've got a really good sense. Of what this is, what this is about, and what we're going to be talking about is the problem with Apu. Yes, and and, and I think with that documentary, what it really does. Wait, wait. Let me let me last last thing real oh, quick. Sure real thing. quick. For those who don't know, so that so they know who the problem was with, Apu is the um, is the storekeeper on The Simpsons, which has been on for over. Th- 30 about years 30 years. Like yeah, not, not, right just here. the quick point was that even if you haven't seen the documentary, what mm-hmm. this does do is open it up to a wider discussion on inclusion and stereotyping. Sure. So jumping off from there, there's just a lot of places you can go past, present, and just I just wanted to bring that up to people and bring that out there to let you know there's – if you want to call, call in. Again – the bigger picture is inclusion and stereotyping, but this the springboard is the problem with the poo. Right, right. Now, Ibrahim, you did see, you did watch the entire uh, documentary. I did. Okay. Yeah. Now, one of the things that jumped out to me uh, was the um, from from the trailer and from the interviews that I saw. Saw an interview he did with um, with Trevor Noah mm-hmm. on a Daily Show, and he was talking about. The impact of negative stereotypes with no countering representation, and I thought that was that was extremely important. It made me think about uh, the late Jack Shaheen, uh, real bad um, uh, Arabs, and uh, and how typecasting and stereotypes can be used to demean um, demean an entire um, group of people. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of the central argument that they make in the film because the first counter reaction the first counter argument that people make um when somebody brings up this problem is they would say well every character on there is a stereotype homer's stereotype of like this fat white dad or whatever and um this person that person they're all stereotypes so they're very aware of that attempted counter argument and and this is really the main um point that they bring up is that when you look back at the early 90s or anywhere throughout the 90s um, and even now, he says there's like a, a handful of, of South Asians who are kind of popular in the media. Mm-hmm. But he's saying especially back then, there was this one guy, and that was it. There was no other representation anywhere on TV or in movies or anything like that. And even they go on to mention, um, just getting into a, a different subtopic, is that even the white the people that were imitating South Asians in movies and stuff like that were white. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get into the minstrelization issues and stuff like that. So, yeah. so they're very aware of the fact that, yes, every character on The Simpsons was a stereotype, but that doesn't excuse the problem because 
where's the other representation that people can look at, you know? And the thing about this is that this is not a unique problem. This is the problem, or it's a pattern that built Hollywood and built character actors. Uh, as an African-American, you know, I'm more sensitive to it to black characters. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I go back to Amos and Andy and think of how that, that was a very popular radio program about... Big Meat Mark. Yeah, you know, you, mm -hmm. and, but these characters were, were crafty black men who seemed to always want to get out of, you know, get a get-rich-quick scheme going. But the, they're generally voiced by white people. Right. You, know, you know, you didn't really have a lot of black actors even playing these roles until they were crossed over to te to television or the movies. Uh, and then when you did have them, they were still just in one social econo economic level. Mm -hmm. You have your Step and Fetchets, your Rochesters. Uh, people were playing servants and maids. So, so from the black perspective, you have that. Then you have your your yellow face characters. Uh, you have Jerry Lewis with the teeth in, playing a uh, a Chinese man. Yeah, so uh, Mickey Rooney in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you for saving that. Uh, but you've got uh, Charlie Chan, all the detectives, everybody generally had this the same stereotypical character you again the whole thing is not having a choice of representation you didn't see a wide range of who this who the cultures were and then that leads up to now you have a the problem with the poo so it's it's not a new problem and it's and in some ways that's good because you can see a solution for it it's a problem i think with the lack of imagination of, of of white Hollywood in a uh, to a degree in that mm -hmm. one to feel that it's acceptable that it's okay to decide the parameters of representation that you're going to give to a particular group um, one of the, and, and the other thing is to not only to decide what their representation is going to be but to actually embody to to be the actual conduit to be the performer for that representation. So whether it's in blackface or whether it's uh, through animation, and it's a voice, it's not an authentic voice that is that is actually actually portraying a character. One of the things that I, I <clears throat> excuse me, that also I, I guess kind of jumped out it jumped out at me was the director, and I got to find his name, but the director, he mentioned he was saying that. Um, their representation, right? So, and I guess he, he was speaking more to the South, South Asian community, right? So he says that uh, the South Asian community was basically typecast as either store owners, cabbies, or terrorists, right? Yep. right? Now, he says there's a, there's a whole lot of humanity in between those, uh, those points. And it's not being, and it's not being, uh, it's not being portrayed fairly, but What's really the, the 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 connecting thread between all of this? Whether we're talking about representation of of uh, of Chinese, African American, South Asians, <clears throat> Arabs, any other group that is not white, the the common denominator is they are their representation. It hinges on 
um, the decisions or whatever lens that white Hollywood, and I use that, it ain't the real, right? It's just, just for clarification, right? right? right. Because, but it's never, it's never, they're never being, um, they're never being portrayed by people who are familiar with the experience and familiar with the, the, the wide variety of experiences that exist within uh, any, any group. It's, and it's, it's an interesting problem because you think, is it better to have an inclusive voice to help promote a stereotype? Or should you touch on that stereotype at all? And mm. it's, because of course it's still, it's still fiction, it's still storytelling, and that's, that's part of the fun. I mean, with Apu, a lot of people, <clears throat> pardon me, a lot of people like that character. And it's it's not about it being mean-spirited or them trying to use this as a vehicle to oppress people. Right. They like his story. They they find he he is a unique character on a unique show that gets into distinctive unique has distinctive unique problems. Right. And they're funny. So where where do you balance the storytelling aspect to how sensitive do you need to be to the audience? Propaganda. Oh. What he says is that mm. propaganda, it's good for it to be funny because right. it's more effective. And the thing about animation is that there is a detachment from reality. Um, it, it feels safe. It feels, it feels innocent. When you're looking at something playing out in animation more so than it would if you're watching it you know, uh, in, in real, real live uh, motion. So, to your point, I, wa I remember watching Sim The Simpsons back when it was a short on the Tracy Ullman show, mm -hmm. right before it became its own, own thing. So, I mean, I watched it all, all of that time, and I never had a problem with the poo, right? I thought a poo was to me he was one of the funnier characters, right? But he was it was not a problem until. And it's, and it's never a problem until you realize it's a problem for somebody else. Now, and, and, and once I realize that it's a problem for somebody else, then I have to look at it in a different light. It doesn't mean that I'm not looking at it, but to watch it as a, to be more attuned to what, what facet of representation uh, it's giving, as opposed to just looking at it as uh, it, it's harmless, because one of the questions that the director asked a group of um, uh, folks he was talking to, he says, how many of you all have, you all have been, what did he say, I think, have you been called a poo? And all of them, about five or six of them, and everybody raises their hand. So there's, a, there, there's something in there that goes beyond our entertainment, um, you know, as, as I see it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think that, however, when in addressing it, yeah, it is really the fact that it, it's it goes back to having choices and having different representation. So for me, the key part is that you've got Apu, you've got the taxi driver, you've got the you've got the uh, terrorist. Right. You don't have any positive uh, images to bounce off. You don't have a counterpoint or a doctor. Uh, but it's just you need point counterpoint. You need to have the different levels of it, so sure. then you can appreciate the stereotype or, or caricature. Uh, 
and that's the thing. It is a caricature, but then what is it? a caricature is based on something that is that is rooted in some sort of reality. And without that character, without that real character, then the caricature becomes what you your default of what's real. And that's one of the issues. I mean, I see that with the poo, but again, if you look at again using black television, black characters. Oh yeah. You would you would see that, let's say, in I'll, I'll use the seventies as an example because I think that was a very dynamic time in programming on TV mm-hmm. and the fact that granted, you only had three networks, so you didn't have as many shows or slots available, but they did touch a lot of social issues. However, they still touch these social issues with stereotypical characters. Mm. And I'll, okay. I'll, I'll look at Norman Lear with the, the Jeffersons. Good times. Uh, good times. He had all these characters. And when now, when he did give them a sense of pride or a sense of dignity, they still were generally uneducated, you know, barely surviving. Uh, not that they had to come from money or something like that, but... You had these people that always had to start at the lowest social rung. And that's how people then are going to see African-Americans, that no matter what you do, you're going to be the lowest caste here. Minus a representation Mm -hmm. that shows um, success that is inherited, right? So I I get exactly what you're saying. And not to sound like... It was a, not a bougie term, but yes, you can have college-educated people. You have self-educated people. You have you have athletes. You have people in sports you don't think of: tennis players, race car drivers, uh, golfers. You have all these people, but that's not what you were seeing at that time. So that's why someone like a Bill Cosby show was so influential because you got to see. African Americans from a different light, and people thought that was when people saw that they thought that was fiction. They thought that was ridiculous. Let, let, let me ask Ibrahim, um, because I, I like the point that you make, and I think if we're honest, we, uh, Bubba, I like the point you make that we generally our sensitivities begin with ourselves, right? So I am I am more attuned, I think, just naturally, probably as a matter of self preservation, as we all are, to those things that affect us. Right. Or that's, you know, we're, we're visual and it takes, it takes a lot of it takes concentration and deliberation to go beyond just what affects you. So let me ask you, Ibrahim, was this something that um, that that you felt uncomfortable with um, as a representation of of South Asian people in general, going with the uh, as he put it, the the post. What do you say? The post Pam post uh, or pre uh, was it? um, Mindy and um, right. Aziz, and, yeah, yeah, and Aziz Ansari, and it's a couple of others. But yeah, pre that, um, was that something that you felt a level of uh, discomfort with? Okay, this is complicated because um, I'll preface my answer by saying that back in like the late '80s, early '90s, yeah. when this character first came out, um, South Asians as a community, it's as if we didn't really even exist. Um, we didn't think of ourselves. We didn't think of ourselves in the same way as like an African American community would think of themselves, or a Latinx community would think of themselves, or Italian Americans or whatever. We didn't really 
exist as a community and that we had cohesion or um i also want i also would point out that i don't necessarily give that much salience in my identity to being south asian but it's just something i acknowledge like yeah i am why would i deny it you know right. but um the south asian community had so little presence and so little cohesion and uh relatively few numbers at that time that it wasn't something where we could be like you know oh this misrepresents our community uh, it just wasn't even it just didn't even work that way back then so i so i do remember like noticing like okay this is kind of character that's weird whatever mm-hmm. um it wasn't a huge deal to me back then but that being said uh, I, I did kind of feel discomfort with it but it wasn't like a huge deal however one of the things pointed out in this documentary is that um, one of the themes in this documentary is just because we're now realizing that it's a problem you know doesn't mean that we can take the same approach that basically the the show itself the Simpsons took was to say that you know this started a long time ago what are we supposed to do now you know it's okay for us to be like okay we may not have noticed the problem back then but now that we notice the problem you know and there's all these points there's a lack of representation it's it's hurting people's uh identities so on and so forth there's nothing wrong with us saying now that we realize there's a problem let's do something about it you know it's it's not really a valid argument to say like oh back in 1992 how come you weren't saying anything well there's reasons for that too like i just explained there's a lack of cohesion in the community where it was as if we didn't exist nobody knew what we were people used to ask me like oh, are you chinese or japanese or korean people used are to we? ask me that hmm. um and it's like yeah <laughs> people didn't even know what you were back then yeah um they didn't know what muslim was mm-hmm. for the most part they didn't know what pakistan was they knew what india was but right. like i said it wasn't like a uh there wasn't a presence in American society. There wasn't a tangible presence in American society at that time. And that's actually going back to the root of the problem, is that you take a situation and dynamic like that and you put in this one character, mm-hmm. which is a complete minstrelization. Um, that's irresponsible. Now, let me counter with, with this thought. Shows like The Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park, um, that are, <clears throat> I think, in their very makeup, meant to push against uh, norms uh, that are designed to sometimes to to be an obvious representation or manifestation of the stereotypes. They're going to call hold. themselves satire. Yeah, so they're going to push those buttons. So, to 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 look at those shows, do you think that maybe that we're looking for education? We're looking for representation or, or or fair representation in the wrong spaces. Now, I'm saying this, and it doesn't change my, my thought, my original thought that I, that I expressed, that um, the animation can be used for propaganda. It can be used to, uh, you know, to desensitize us uh, to things. But knowing that it's satire, knowing that, it's, that, that it's, that's its main aim, is to poke fun at convention, are we expecting too much um, for, are we expecting too much from them? Uh, expecting too much from who? Are we expecting too much from, 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 the, from the writers, from the, from the developers, from, 
for from those people that are putting shows on like this in this case i don't think we're expecting too much i think uh what the maker of this the, the person behind the documentary harry kondabolu he's basically asking just give us a, a fair shot you know right just represent this community give them the same opportunity to have real representations of themselves as opposed to just this one minstrelization just like everyone else has you know yeah I'm sorry, I'm about think? to throw out the absolute worst example. Okay. But it made me think of Star Wars. The the, uh, the second group, those, the, the with Jar Jar Binks and all those people, like, they were all terrible. Yeah. But all those characters were just racist caricatures. Especially Jar Jar. Do, do tell. Now, now the thing that's was, a whole other yeah debate among yeah. Now the thing was, as much as I could not stand Jar Jar, mm. the one time I found it interesting is in the first, the one where Jar Jar's with all his people. Then you got to see Jar Jar with, with his. I don't even know what his group is called. The Binks people. Yeah, that's called. But you saw there were all different types, and then you see that Jar Jar, and the King are the idiots amongst those people. Yeah. But then you see all the other people, and like, okay, they're not a whole race of idiots. They're just two <laughs> dummies amongst a bunch of normal people. And then you could appreciate the group. Yeah. I say that because let's say something like a poo. Mm-hmm. I would want to see a poo, you know, just more characters to to support a poo, more South Asian characters. Or Southeast Asian characters. I mean, but but just so we ha- again, so we have that direct counterbalance. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's a lot you may not be able to do with. Maybe it's gone too far. But if you have a lot of characters with dignity and some different levels, where you've got writers who are sensitive and culturally aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. then maybe you can solve. If if it's the trouble with the boot, how do you solve it? That would be one thing. Can you bring in more people just on that show because? Just going to the thing, we need to see other people. Now, that's just to hit a poo on The Simpsons. What but. You know what? Yeah, I think it's also kind of a spearhead for the problem, the larger problem in Hollywood at the time, where they go on to say that um, a lot of the other portrayals of South Asians in other movies were either minstrelized Asians, minstrelizing themselves mm-hmm. for money, or it was white people. Mm-hmm. Uh imitating south asian so i think it's it's the issue of apu itself yeah it's the issue within the show but it's also issue in the broader industry itself that this kind of represents okay all right we're going to pick this up let's take a short break um we come back i'm going to write my thoughts down so i don't lose them all right radio Slam family uh you're listening to radio Slam. it's movie talk we're talking about the problem with the poop check it out we'll be back in a minute The nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, 
We appreciate your support. Thank you. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. I knew I was stuck at this kid's house for the night, but those guys snuck up on me to try and pull the hand in a bowl of warm water trick. Well, that was enough for me. I went downstairs to sleep in the basement, even though it was pitch black. I left my sleeping bag upstairs, and that was a mistake, because it was freezing. I think it was probably the longest night of my life. To read more about the sleepover, check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw by Jeff Kenny. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library and visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. And remember, you can find us on social media at Radio Islam USA. And also keep up with us. Uh, catch those episodes that you've missed. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. So we are uh, in the midst of movie talk. Bubba, Ibrahim, myself, we're talking about the problem with Apu. Now, when we... Um, I can't hold water right now, and I'm going to blame it on uh, some of the effects of concentration. They are lost um, just with the day. Great things with Ramadan, but sometimes your concentration, right? A Snickers would have done, would have retained that information. But this is what I wanted to say: um, the fact that non-white uh, people have rarely held or, or been the owners of production when it comes to making films, when it comes to deciding what is going to be, um, uh, what shows are going to be greenlit, what's going to be on television, who's going to play what roles, who's going to voice what, right? Because of that, that means that everybody, once again, I'm kind of reiterating a point I, I stated earlier, it means that, uh, that it's going to be non-whites who are going to decide how uh, how everybody else is going to be represented. I'm sorry, not now. It's going to be whites who will decide how non-whites are represented. And one of the things that I'm looking at is on, on The Simpsons, the white representation of folks, it's not complimentary at all. It's, it's, it's a diverse, it's more white characters, right? It's, it's a reflection of society as a whole where, uh, where the, the white population, or society in the United States in particular, where white uh, people constitute the majority, but the people that they are using to uh, for that represent, representation, um, Mayor Quimby, he's an inept uh, public servant, right? Um, and what's the other fella? The chief, uh, chief Wiggum. Oh, Wiggum. Yeah, Wiggum, who 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 cannot run, who cannot touch his own toes. Eats uh, the donuts. Yeah, stereotypical. He's, he's, yeah, he's a stereotypical overweight, out of shape. Um, uh, uh, police officer, and you can kind of go down the list. Ned Flanders, uh, an evangelical guy who's kind of detached, really 
you know, whatever. You could just kind of go down the list with that. The main problem that I do see, though, is that it's it's different when I make fun of me, when I make fun of of, of my right. family, or whatever, and quite a quite a different thing when somebody else takes that uh, on, and they decide to voice. They're going to voice uh, my characters like you referenced Amos and Andy, right? That's quite a different spill. And that's something that at the very least, I think, starting at this point, that that can be reconciled. You can have someone who is, um, who actually embodies that, that experience. And I know that's a much larger argument too, just, just when it comes to voice acting and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so I'll leave that there. Who, who wants to? Well, I mean, oh. Oh, well, just a, the fa- I, I agree to a point. It's just that, well, no, well, I agree with that. But w- the problems I have, too, are that, I mean, we are at a point where people are aware. This cool. isn't 1970. This isn't 1980 where you have a, a dearth of talent that, so you can't find them or people aren't aware. There are a lot of people out there. Right. Again, in that Fox animation, adult animation, from there when you had that show. Um, uh, Futurama? No, no, no. The, oh. the one with uh, – the Cleveland show. Yeah. Again, the, Once to, again. The, that to me felt like a menstrual type of show. Uh, but I did watch it. But <laughs> and but when you're talking about people who choose a portrayal, I just want to play a little devil's advocate. You know, when we do have the choice, yeah. then um, is how responsible is it to fall back on the worst of our stereotypes to define ourselves? I'll use Tyler Perry as an example. Tyler Perry. Uh, Radio Slump family. Bubba Murray does not care for Tyler Perry. <laughs> Just Medea. Yeah. I mean, he's got a formula. Yeah. Crackhead. Incest. Medea. Single mom. Yes, single mom. Single mom crackhead who's been... Oh, well, I shouldn't have said incest, but it's usually some sort of child abuse, neglect, yeah. and Medea. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he chose that self-representation. Is that different? Well, well, I've, I've got to say this. If, if you, know, you know the story that Medea was introduced as a character in a stage play, and the woman that was supposed to play Medea backed out. And the show, as the old Hollywood saying, the show must go on. And he ended up filling in in the position, so it was never. It was not from the outset. I don't believe it. Well, that that's the story. <laughs> that's the story. I he, don't he believe. Said. But anyway, I, don't I, believe I just that wanted to throw that out there. One bit. But that doesn't matter because even though he played the character, whether he wanted to or not, he yeah. wrote the script. He yeah. wrote those. So it's just going back to yeah. If you own it, and that's yours, and he is. He is lambasting or lampooning his own culture. How far should you go? When what you about when the stereotype is your life? What about when, when that's right? Because there are people who oh. have lived that life where they've been around substance and, abuse. They, yeah, and, and, they come up in single parent homes. They've dealt with uh, poverty and dysfunctional relationships. And that's what I'm, I mean, that's, that's what I'm asking. How far do you go? Is, is it responsible or not? Uh, or is it, is it, uh, being opportunistic, you, you know, that's an expectation now. Yeah. Can he do better? I don't think so, because that's his bread and butter. But if it was, uh, 
Rob Reiner doing that, yeah, you know, I would burn that production to the ground. <laughs> so that's all. Uh, you know, I, I think even with our own work, sometimes you have to have a a wide range of characters to offset some of the nonsense in today's world. I might be maybe I have some sort of uh, uh, prejudice that's falling in against Tyler Perry, <laughs> but I still think it's a legitimate issue. Hmm. To Tariq's point about the difference between people representing themselves in a quirky way or stereotypical way and being represented by other people in that uh, minstrelized way. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely I agree with that. I agree with that concept. But even that being said, if I go back to the show and look at it, I do see a couple of characters, a couple of white characters like Marge and Lisa being kind of like a voice of reason in some of the in a lot of the episodes somewhat normal kind of neurotic um so yeah i understand like it's a comedy show and like everyone has to be a a caricature to some extent Mm -hmm. but even that i don't see there are a couple of characters white characters where i'd say okay that's uh, lisa is definitely like the voice of reason in a lot of the the later seasons and marge to some extent too um but even then on top of that there's apu and there's this this stereotype this person that's whose identity is based on their ethnicity Uh, the essence of the character is basically he's defined by his ethnicity and he's defined by the stereotypes and then there's another character that comes in which is his wife and it's this really weird i've seen the episode is this really weird like scenario that doesn't even happen where there's this arranged marriage that they were like promised off to each other when they were like kids and this is a really weird story okay and then there's these other eight characters that come the eight the octuplets that oh they yeah. Have, right, right, the right? yeah they talk about this so it's like okay you had one character that's a stereotype now you have another character this is his wife and she's also a stereotype then you have eight kids and they're also stereotypes in and of themselves, you know. So, so we started out talking about this, this one guy, and we don't have any other representation. Then you keep adding more and more stuff onto that problem, and it's like repeating the problem. It's exacerbating the problem, even, you know. So that that's also the issue. Um, but that's but that's that's a that's a singular family, yeah. right? That is representing multiple layers of. Of, of of stereotype, but l- let me let me throw let me throw this out. I think because going back to my point of not owning production, we are put in a position where we are expecting or we're asking for those who who own the means of production to to be aware of us, to be sensitive to mm-hmm. our uh, needs, uh, to to our feelings, right? To consider our feelings, and. And in, in doing so, I think I think we might be going about this the wrong way. That's really I what think, I'm getting to. I think, yeah, I agree with you, but I think it's a two-pronged approach, right? Mm-hmm. There's one prong. We could say, okay, let's let's make our own productions, you know? And there's another two-prong. The second part of that approach is to say, look, if these people have done something wrong, let's at least tell them about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. To, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, so we could do both. Yeah. The thing is, what I think is unique about the Simpsons, yeah. is they have been able to uh, 
position themselves like they've been put on a pedestal because it's all the Harvard writers, Harvard Review. You know, this is an intellectual show. So, so there's a sense that anything that is considered funny or 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 uh, controversial on The Simpsons comes from a place of genius, and so it shouldn't be questioned. Mm. And I mean, I think that's a legitimate problem because when you do that, then you have a sense of arrogance and entitlement that comes into the writer's room or those writers because all those people are going to sit there and say, oh, everything I come up with is brilliant. Hey, I got this idea of a, this is going to be the funniest thing. We got the guy who worked at 7-Eleven. This is going to be awesome. What's They're their writer's room look like? And that's, that's the next question. And not to say that, that ethnicity actually means diversity because you could have people, you could have a, quote unquote a, a diverse ethnic uh, group but if everybody sees things through this lens of of the, the white majority uh, being able to craft the narrative for everybody else then that diversity is really just an appearance I mean, only. And maybe this is an unfair characterization but I felt I thought they were known for being like poaching the Harvard Review in the sense where oh, you really? have all these people, these sort of Ivy League. Like Conan. And, yeah, Conan O'Brien, all these sort of, you know, this, these people that are, position themselves as being intellectually entitled right. in this room. So where, again, someone like a Conan O'Brien, yeah, funny guy, I may not find him as a hilarious a genius as, as someone else's, but they've been trained to have this same mentality. So that, yeah. and, and so so they yeah. perceive these jokes, they perceive this humor all the same way. So they're not going to ever be offended by certain things, and they don't need it's, to be. It's, it's a creative groupthink. Yes, and then there's and there's this badge of honor that would come if you say I'm a Simpsons writer. You can do no wrong. You know, just this the same with if where we like to give the benefit of the doubt to someone. <clears throat> in public service right. or someone who's been, you know, a veteran. You say, ah, that guy's a Marine. He's a good guy. I don't need to know who he is, but he's a Marine. That guy's a Simpsons writer. They're smart. That woman, she's a Simpsons writer. She's brilliant. She's on point. She knows all these things. That's where they're going to, they're going to let that play out. They're not going to challenge them. They're not going to make them think they, they need to even take the audience uh, into account. At that point, it's going to be they. The audience needs to catch up to the writers. The writers don't. So I just think that's a problem. That's a unique problem faced by The Simpsons because it's been on the air for thirty years. But you might have gotten that in the first twenty years, and so now it might be a little. Even for that, yeah, I think Bob brings up a really excellent point. I've never heard anyone mention that, but it absolutely it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And you have experience in that industry too, so you know. Um, but yeah, definitely that makes like if you're in The Simpsons, it, I would say not even the first ten years. After the first few years, when it was this huge smash success, you know, um, they had put it up against Cosby. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was basically okay. I'm the writer for The Simpsons. You're like you're questioning me. You're telling me what's funny and what's not acceptable. And so, yeah. And that's so the question point. has to be: Who's in a position to 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 question? Who's in a position to say? Um, well, obviously, the director uh, producer of this film this documentary has taken that on uh, and even though he says that he doesn't really have any attachment to Apu right but the idea of what Apu represents and not it's, it's not about funny I think that's the thing that's the other thing it's not about 
funny. What it's about, it's about creating or shaping values. It's about, um, it's about de depiction. And I think that's, that's the conversation that we really need to have. Not so much just about what's, what's funny and who's, who's creative, but how do these depictions affect the way we, um, we interact with one another in a pluralistic society? I would go even further than that mm -hmm. and go back to the documentary where they talked to Whoopi Goldberg. I would say this is about um, minstrelization and our history as a country of the con with the concept of minstrelization, which is a very ugly history that we as as Americans have. When they talked to Whoopi Goldberg, he asked her, "Is you know, do you think Apu is a, a minstrel?" She has all this, you know, big collection of like these dolls and stuff, these minstrel dolls, and you know, uh, that's really striking. But he asked her, "So, do you think Apu is a minstrelization?" And she just thinks about it and she says, "Well, I don't know, maybe kind." Uh, does does he sing and he doesn't sing and dance does he so so i guess he's not exactly a minstrel and the guy says well actually yeah there's he does sing and dance she goes, oh yeah he's definitely a minstrel. <laughs> you know what i want to i want to be more specific i want to be very specific with this language that we're using when we talk about the history of america um what we're talking about is the history of of of, of white people in creative control who have decided on what the narrative is going to be for whoever, for non-white people. That, it's about the majority, which historically has been white, getting a kick and, and out that's, of that's seeing important. people, uh, seeing an ethnicity, an ethnic group make a fool out of themselves, and, even if they have to dress people up in, as in those costumes but, and pretend to be that group. But it's also, but it's also about that, uh, that depiction having a real world, uh, having real world consequences. Um, if you look at the work of Ida B. Wells, uh, during her time, so she documented thousands and thousands of, of lynchings, you know, of 99.9% uh, .9 um, uh, African Americans. And, but as a journalist, what she also, what she also looked at was the justifications that were used for those lynchings in mainstream, at the time, mainstream uh, newspapers. And, and she also examined the depiction of, of, of black men and how they were often referred to in language that was more uh, fitting for, for an animal, right? Uh, beastly, savage, you know, things like right. that. And when you, when you have that type of a, a subtext, when you have that type of a of reference to look back at, you see that this is much more than, than just about being funny or about menstrual, but it's about how, how people are treated, how people are seen. Mm -hmm. And if people look at uh, if they look at you and they see, oh, and now you said they might have at one point looked at you and said, oh, we don't know if he's uh, Korean or Japanese or whatever, right? But if they look at you now and their reference for for your aspirations, your character, everything is based off of Apu, or if they look at me and they and they make a, a judgment off of some other, you know, pick a stereotype, right? Then there's a problem, mission accomplished. It's about it's about taking the uh, it's about taking humanity away or deciding who who gets to be dignified and who doesn't. I want to do one thing before we start closing out, so I get the chance. Yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert, famous movie critic, mm -hmm. in 1988 wrote about Spike Lee's movie School Days. Okay. 
Uh, it's Spike Lee's second movie, right? Yeah. I haven't seen it. So can you give like one or two sentences about what the movie is about? Uh, sure. Uh, it is about the um, uh, African-American college experience um, going with the Greek uh, fraternities and how and also it's a it's a commentary on color consciousness in the african-american community as well how that plays out on the uh, university uh, system i want to read the f just at least the first paragraph of uh, roger ebert's review of this movie mm -hmm. he makes a very strong point he says uh taken from RogerEbert.com, he says spike lee's school days is the first movie in a long time where the black characters seem to be relating to one another instead of to a hypothetical white audience. Lee's She's Gotta Have It was another, and then you have to go back to films like Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song in 1970. Hmm. Although the film has big structural problems and leaves a lot of loose ends, there was never a moment when it didn't absorb me because I felt as if I was watching the characters talk to one another instead of to me. Hmm. This kind of, to me, encapsulates the issue of what menstrualization is, the issue of what stereotyping is, and the type of environment that it produces, where these characters, wherever they may be, instead of performing, instead of having this dynamic between each other like they're supposed to have, they're in essence, the character is performing for a white audience, yes. no matter what they do. Yep. That's kind of what the problem is. Yep. Any uh, closing thoughts? No, I, I well, I think that's that's really an astute uh, quote to bring up there. Uh, what I will say, just in defense of one of the actors on The Simpsons, mm -hmm. uh, I did see an interview with Hank Azaria. I like him, and he they they brought up the documentary, and what he did say was, you know, he he would stop doing the character mm -hmm. because when he did do it, although he was he wasn't out to hurt anyone. Right. I mean, he wasn't out to take care of anyone, but uh, I think once that took off, because you, as a comedian, you do a little voice, you might think it's going to be a one-off, be one episode. You don't necessarily think it's going to be a hook career. Up. <laughs> yeah, you'll be a career doing this character. Mm -hmm. But I did appreciate the fact that um, he was aware that this is an issue for people, and he took a stronger stance than the actual Simpsons writers because he just made a point of saying he was not part of the re the Simpsons response yeah where it was where they copped out and just said I don't know what to do at least one person on there saying it I will stop I will not do this anymore if that's what you want but just come to me with something and we'll work on it not just eh, what do we think who knows but we're just going to do it anyway. So, I, I mean, I at least appreciated that. Yeah, and I don't think that, I think by and large, for the most part, that I don't think there's any real malice that is intended, um, at least for, for those people who are, who are acting, right, who are performing. I don't think that. But once again, in a pluralistic society, when you have so many different, um, so many different elements that, that make it up, we can't, in order for there to be real conversation, to kind of go back to just reference that, uh, that quote that you uh, just read, Ibrahim, um, in order for the cast, right, for the, for the people to be talking to one another, they have to actually do that. As a po so that has to happen before we get to the point where there's actual production, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of this, we, we make up a world and we, 
we paint people different colors and we give them accents and stuff. But these are people who actually don't talk to each other in the real world, and and it right. comes out as as it comes out as stereotypes and caricatures. So, um, yeah, that's something for us to I think to pay attention and to. I, I just want to say them just yeah go right here. Diversity is not going to hinder comedy. No, no, it improves when it. you've got more voices and you've got more points of view. Yeah. It's only going to make stronger stories. So I just I want to I, I will stop with that. Yeah, and real stories. Yeah, right. Because the the funniest stuff is to me is the things that are true. Right, you can laugh at, at things. You know, if somebody says you a, a joke that you just like that doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, it's not grounded in anything. Anyway, we we could actually go on quite a bit on this. Um, it's been good talking to you all. Uh, Bubba, Ibrahim, uh, Radio Islam family, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to joining you again next week, uh, Monday. Uh, but check in with us over the weekend. Uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy uh, our, our broadcast. And we remind you again, tomorrow, May, May 19th, it is, uh, it's in remembrance. It's an observation of Malcolm X uh, Day. So it's a day of service, which is something that we need to be about anyway. So. That being said, we're going to go ahead and thank our engineer over at WCEV, Leonard. Thank you very much, sir. And we thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Bey, who you also heard um, in the discussion. We thank our, uh, our, our, our guests for the segment, as always, uh, Bubba Murray. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. We thank our executive producer, Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we're going to look forward to seeing you guys next week. So Ramadan Mubarak, everyone. We're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.